0: To support this podcast, go to Positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, Positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Go to PB&Joey.com for more information. Check out the trail mix and all the other flavors that are currently available. Make it a great gift for this 4th of July. PB and Joey.com for more information. PB and Joey.com. Don't you know I'm local? Local? J what is up fourth of July podcast going on what it's like podcast 75 or something like that live from the spare parts studio streaming live on twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm one don't forget the one Jay here positive sarcasm.com thank you all for who are stopping by the new subscribers and all that jibbity jab jibbity jabba juba juba uh, i got two new videos you can hit me up on all social media, social media, of course. I got two. The deuce. Two new videos on YouTube. Literally then Literally two days uh, apart from one another. Both good news Well, one's kind of a... Not a bummer, but it's kind of, you know, it's got a little somber tone to it. Where's the on button? Where's the on button? Where's my my life of an on button? It's It has yet to start. Uh... I got the fan going today. I don't hope you won't hear it in the post-production. It's a little warm out. It is summer. It is hot stuff, baby, to see. Yeah, get fucking hot. I got, uh I didn't, for some reason, I didn't make any cold brew or por brew, so I had to run to Aroma Joe's really quick and get a PB and Mocha. Shout out to Aroma Joe's. Delicious. Uh, I spent most of today, <laughs> did I spend most of today learning about coffee and how you know how to pick proper beans and where to you know you, you can buy coffee in bulk there's a bunch of places you can pick out your beans you can go to this place it's like coffee or some chaz you can go there and you can select what type of beans you want it's like it's kind of it seems kind of expensive but i guess it's like if you buy a bag at the grocery store i'm not going to go into a grocery store at rant again i did a pretty good job of that last week it you'll generally get like a 12 ounce bag of coffee the shitty stuff usually goes for around four to six bucks the decent stuff goes around seven nine, uh, but if you go online, it's the prices are around between eleven and sixteen. But everything's you know, he, you know, g- good sources and all that shit. I mean, I gotta look into it a little bit more. I was considering it because you know, I'm a coffee drinker. Um, yeah, I was lo- learning how to how to properly do your. Like, there's certain steps to French press roasting. Like, for example, I was told that I just learned that, well, let's see, the Colombian roast guy, Jesus, I'm going to be all over the place today. The Colombian roast guy, he told me to pour it about almost to the top, then before I was finished, uh, let, it, let it sit for about 30 seconds, and then pour the rest of the hot water into the French press, because that's how I normally do my coffees via French press. And when I say normally, I'm like 95% of the time. Uh, but now it's basically from what I learned online because I've been YouTubing it. When you do French press, because obviously when you French press, you take you take your scoops, you put them in the bottom of the French press, usually like three scoops to fill it up. Then you take the hot water, the boiling water, and you take it off the thingy, and then you pour it into the French press, and you let it sit for about three or four minutes, and then you 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 push down on the plunger and you serve it. Well, apparently there's a couple extra steps. And I got here they are. So. You obviously don't want your super boiling water going in there because apparently that can burn the roast. The first thing you want to do, yeah, coffee talk, um, you want to, a little bit of hot water or boiling water, you put in the French press with no coffee in it. You basically want to get the hot, the French press, the glass hot, and then pour it out, pour out that hot water, and then put in your beans, your ground up beans, Generally, I generally don't give a shit about what course, if it's coarse or fine, I just take the beans. And I just take the, the ground beans and put them in the freaking French press. The preferred uh, grind for a French press is coarse. Coarse, that. Coarse. So that's just the way they want it. You can use fine you can use fine if you want. It's just going to be a little more difficult to get the plunger down but you can do whatever you want. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm just saying this is how they prefer to do it, okay? You can do it, you know. This is America. This is America. That's right. July 4th. MAGA. Um so you want to heat up the make sure that the uh, get a little steam going in the, in the French press first. Then pour out that water, put in your grind uh put in your beans, th- you know, preferably coarse grind. And then about 3 heaping spoonfuls works for me. And then Fill it up about two inches of the, of the hot water, then stop, stir it, stir the water with the beans, and then about 15 to 20 seconds later, pour in, after you've stirred it, pour in the rest, of the, pour in slowly the rest of the water, and then let it sit for about three minutes, three to four minutes preferably, and then put the plunger on, actually you want to put the plunger on top anyways, just don't push down for about three to four minutes. Let it sit in its own filth. Um, and by then, you should be good to go. And that's pretty much... That's French pre- That's French press. That's it. The pour-over method is basically... You can use a cheesecloth filter. Not a cheesecloth filter. Uh, a regular coffee filter. Or you can get one of those metal filters like I have. And then you put your scoops in there. And then you pour a little bit on top first of the hot water to get... Um, a little bit of the the foam going on top, and then pour the rest of the way in slowly. So I've been doing that one pretty good, but that one takes a little bit longer. takes a little more time. They're not. It's not a hard process. You know, it's just these little extra steps to apparently get like a certain aroma going or whatever to get the best out of your beans. But for the most part, if I the way I was doing it, pretty much doing it right. If you have questions or comments about uh, how I'm. Or, you know making my coffees and stuff you can just email me at uh, positive sarcasm at outlook.com or just hit me up on my contact page on my website. But I do find it fascinating cuz people there's so much coffee drinking in the world. It's like why would you want to cheat yourself out of having the best experience with that? Would you want to have a gorgeously made cheeseburger or at least a good a proper made cheeseburger or do you just want to go to McDonald's and stuff your face and get indigestion later? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba diarrhea i mean you want to have something that's halfway decent right so why won't you make a little bit of effort to just make you know change your your routine a little bit so that it fits in properly because making a cup of coffee in the morning is not difficult okay a keurig is not a keurig is fucking disgusting unless you have like one of those espresso those like two to three hundred dollar coffee makers first of all you still have to prep those fuckers in the morning too and you got to clean the shit out of them all right. And a lot of people don't have those in their house. If you do, first of all, good for you. But you have to pack down the coffee. You got to pack down the coffee in the thing with the little squirt with the little screwy top thing. So you press that down, you shove it in the thing, you twist to the right, and then you hit the button and it starts to do the thing. It's still work. A French press is nothing more than boiling fucking water and pouring it over on to- pouring on top of coffee beans. You can do and you can have Already pre made, uh, a pre ground coffee if you want in there, it's up to you. I'm just stating if you have if you to take the extra two seconds, grind your beans like the night before, and you just maybe you'll get a more flavorful coffee out of it. I think you would, that's just my opinion. Um, so I go through those extra steps because it only takes me, you know, two to three times for me to get into the habit of, uh, you know, of doing my routines in the morning and in the afternoon so that. Most of this stuff gets done, and I'm getting the best out of my. I'm getting the best out of my roast. I'm wiping my nose so damn much right now. I don't know why. I'm like, I'm like Slava that Marxist from uh, the debates. There, he's like. You ever seen that guy? Slava Zizek. He's like the world's most educated Marxist. And whenever you see him on like TV, he's like, he has this, huge, he has this massive lisp and he's like Ukrainian. And he's always wiping his nose and you know, sniffling like he's on a in bad Coke And he coke habit. And he's like, Marxists, <laughs> Marxist." and he's just it's fucking insane. He's a smart guy. But Jesus Christ, I don't know how you can fucking take him serious. Like, get that, the King of Marxist, I and he's walking. I was like, how do you shake this fucking guy's hand? He's probably got fucking communist boogers all over his goddamn fingers. I mean, it probably, I don't even want to give him a fist bump. But he seems like a decent guy. Seems like a smart dude. He's quippy. He's funny. But I think he's got a coke problem. But good for him. Um, He's like a Marxist Charlie Brown. Got the got that same color. He's got that same type of shirt pattern that he generally wears. But um, what was I going with that? I don't know. Well, communism isn't good, and your coffee shouldn't taste like it either. So, in my opinion, I think you should definitely take a few extra steps in the morning to make sure that you're getting the best roast. Because if you're making the best out of your, if you're getting the best out of your coffee, I think it would only make sense that your day is going to go better, right? If you have a shitty cup of coffee, you're going to have a shitty cup of day. Okay. So, why not take the extra effort? And a little pinch of salt and cinnamon won't kill you either. Matter of fact, it will enhance the flavor of your coffee. And, um, yeah. No, I mean, I am I obviously drink my coffee black in the morning, and the afternoon doesn't really matter. But, I do have to cut back on the heavy cream, though. I've been kicking on it pretty hard. Uh, but that's, those are a couple ways of doing it. Now, I would love to get one of those, my biggest, my what do you call it there's two uh, mountaintops of coffee making that i eventually want to get to in my in my studio at the spa, at the spare parts studios and that is cubano and turkish cubano coffee is cubano coffee is an espresso maker espresso maker it's like a little teapot looking thing my mother used to have one my fucking mother and you basically you have to do the same thing with the tightening of the thing, and you put it on top, and you be able to boil it and stuff. And then you pour out the first little bit, and that first little bit is kind of like it's kind of syrupy. What you want to do is you pour that part in, and then you stir that little first part, okay, that little first part, and then you keep stirring it and stirring it and stirring it until it turns golden, until it turns gold, literally gold. I don't, I don't know. I got, I got to watch the YouTube thing again. But you stir it till it gets, it turns, gets gold, and then you pour the rest of the coffee in. And that golden part goes to the top, and you get this incredibly dense, strong, flavorful uh, coffee taste. Generally, when you have, and to offset it, you almost have to have sugar. Me, I don't care. I don't I don't need sugar with my coffee, and I, I've had Cubano coffee. It's incredible. I don't need sugar with it. I can have that fine, too. And it's not a lot of coffee. It's generally like a, a four-ounce cup at the most. So, that's Cubano. It's basically an espresso pack, you know, f- finely ground, and then you pour out a little bit and you stir it till literally that little syrupy part turns gold and then you pour in the rest. It's super fucking strong. But that's one way. The other way is the Turkish way where the co- the coffee cup is extremely hot, it's constantly boiling, and then they pour more coffee into the cup while it's boiling. They're like pushing it through sand and I don't, it's, I don't know what they're doing. And I'm curious to see if there's a way that I can conveniently uh, simulate that over here as far as Turkish coffee making. I don't want to get like an extravagant coffee maker or anything like that. Uh, It's just I want to keep it simple, like easy to do. But I know everything's not easy, but I just want to figure out how I can make it so that I can fit it into a routine. Like... I understand there are times when I want to pour over. I would prefer to do a pour over, even though it takes like another minute or two. But I can do it no problem. Like a 6 a.m. on a Friday, on a Saturday morning, ball game pour over deluxe. Weekday mornings is more like a French press type of thing for me. But I want to see how I can incorporate the Cubano method and the Turkish method. The Cubano method will be first because I know I can get the materials for that to make it work. I take this coffee shit. I mean, it's just like everything else. I take it fucking seriously. I really do take it seriously. It's an effort, and there's something to be proud of when you make that perfect cup of coffee. It's like those people that pour the designs, or they pour the little flowers or pine needles, whatever, in the coffee, and they make those lattes. There's some, there's effort in that. You know, there, there's art in that, and there's you can really taste the difference. So if you were to make your own cup, a perfect cup of Cubano, you would you would appreciate it also, okay. So I think that's something that I would want to consider and try out. Another thing that I can add to my car, repertoire. I can make a, you know, make a sick batch of uh, Cubano coffee. But right now I'm just sipping on some Roma, Roma Joes. Oh, speaking of coffee, I got a-, a couple articles here I want to jump into. Oh, is that really a, Is that an article? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so I'm obviously looking for more coffees to dive into. All right. Right now I got a bunch of, uh, you know, Sumatra blends, dragon blends, basically all all types of Arabica, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So I have all different types and that Aroma Joe's blew me away. That Aroma Joe's was fantastic. I don't. I think that's an Arabica blend. It's a bold Arabica blend. I don't know if it's Robusta. A Robusto is a cheaper bean uh, that I'm going to teach you about. Generally, if you get an Arabica bean, an Arabica bean is a proper bean. You can tell that it's more pointed, it's more sphere-shaped. Sa- whereas a Robusto bean is a little more circular-shaped. It also has an inferior taste to it, and it makes you more. And it has more caffeine in it. It's a little faster acting, makes you more jittery. So if it's good for be needing that extra jolt. But Arabica is the smoother, more flavorful blend. Uh, let's see. Country of origin, types. All right. The quality of your coffee beans. This is uh, Denne, Denny's Denny's John. This is by drippedcoffee.com. Uh, Arabica. Coffee beans come in three varieties. Well, that's freaking great. Okay. Arabica. Also known as, quote, the good stuff. Arabica beans are high-quality beans that are rich in flavor. They have they have to be grown in specific conditions to reach their fullest potential, and that's why they're so valuable. Um, you'll see a lot of brands slap 100% Arabica beans on their labels as an assurance of, assurance of quality. That's something to think about, too. Robusta. Robusta beans are inferior to Arabica beans in terms of flavor, but they also contain more caffeine. Some people are willing to make the trade off to get their fix. Robusta beans are also much easier to cultivate than Arabica, so they're cheaper to buy and sell. Uh, and then it says uh, Arabica and Robusta. Some brands mix their Arabica and Robusta beans. This is usually done to increase the caffeine content of their coffee without sacrificing its flavor. You might like an Arabica and Robusta blend if if you're interested in finding the balance yourself. It really does depend on your type of you know, like your type of wine, your type of food. It really does. It depends on what you need it for. You can drink coffee to relax. You can drink coffee because you need it immediately to wake up. Sustained energy, increased mood, increased metabolism. It all depends. Uh, let's see. Country of origin. Beans come from single origin beans come from one specific region, like Colombia or Kenya. Blended origin beans can come from many different places. Most countries that grow coffee beans have their own mythos or mythos. Are recording this thing on, have their own mythos surrounding it. For example, Brazilian roasts are known for being dark and heavy. Uh, Ethiopian coffees tend to be sweeter and fruitier. If you're looking for a specific flavor profile, you'll probably want to go with single-origin beans from your country of choice. On the other hand, if you like unique, complicated flavors, you might prefer blended beans that will swirl together to create a complex roast. Just make sure that you're buying artisan blend roasts and not cheap blended roasts that were thrown together for cost-cutting purposes. This is a valid, this is a valid stuff. You know, this is why a lot of people just, they want to buy cheap coffee that's artificially flavored. You can still buy like hazelnut roast coffee or vanilla roast coffee and stuff like that and still be, and it can still be expensive because those flavors are mixed with high quality beans. Although at the end of the day, why the hell would you want, I mean, you can roast beans with like banana chips and vanilla beans and all that other chocolate and shit. But at the end of the day, it's like a high-quality bean is going to win every time. And depending upon what soil that that bean grows in is where you're going to get a lot of your flavors. Um, let me see here. Here's another thing. Acidity. I like talking coffee. Coffee is fun. Kind of, it's kind of something for me to you know get into, as you can tell. Acidity can refer to two different things in the coffee world for layman lemon it's just a way of describing sharp tart how's your tart coffee flavors for scientists it's used to describe the coffee's ph content how's your ph content good thank you there's nothing wrong with drinking acidic coffee if your body can handle it in fact some people really like the tang of an acidic coffee to wake them up or get them focused on the flip side yo if you suffer from headaches stomach aches or toothaches after drinking your morning cup of joe, you might want to switch to a low acid coffee. It's much easier on your body and it won't damage your teeth enamel, or tooth enamel, is it teeth enamel? Why'd they say teeth? Your teeth enamel, tooth enamel, or irritate your stomach lining. Just remember that the pH scale goes backwards, so lower pH levels mean that higher amounts of acid. This means that a low acid coffee would actually have a higher pH level than other brands. I can't do any math with that, sorry. Brewing method. There are so many ways to brew coffee that we'd be here for hours if we tried to cover them all. I've only got another 45 minutes, and I have to end this podcast. Sorry. Uh, Here are just a few most common to give you an idea of how you can play around with your coffee beans. All right. And I pretty much, you know, went through some of them, but I'll read them off to you from the smart people. The drip method. Drip, drip, drip. This is how regular run-of-the-mill coffee makers do it. It involves putting coffee grounds into a paper filter and pouring hot water over them. If you're working with whole coffee beans, you'll need to grind them before putting them in the filter. Yep, that one works for me. The drip method is pretty good. French press. Ooh la la. French press coffee involves pressing your coffee grounds to the bottom of the container instead of filtering them the traditional way. While you can use any type of bean to make your grounds, there are certain roasts and coarseness levels that work best with a French press. So you'll want to do some research before you start experimenting. Cold brewing! Cold brewing would actually be kind of fun to get into. I'd like to have, like, a thing for that. It doesn't, it's actually kind of a, they make it seem more complicated than it really is. Um, There is a simple way to actually do it. It's just a lot like making iced coffee. Just, how you set it in the fridge is it's, is a little, the the setup before you put it in the fridge is a little different, um, and takes longer. Cold brewing this involves steeping your beans or grounds in cold water from for twelve to twenty four hours before roasting. Before roasting. What? All right, hold on. Let me read the whole thing. They become much less bitter after the water has drawn out their acids and oils. Many low acid coffees are made this way. The, okay, so I'm going to read this again. This method involves steeping your beans or grounds in cold water for 12 to 24 hours before roasting. Roasting? You wouldn't roast it. You would just... Okay. The way I saw it on YouTube is they basically took the all the, the, uh, the ground beans, they were grounded up coarsely, very coarsely, and they put them in like a cheesecloth or something, or a filter or whatever, and then they basically, once they filled it up with... Beans, this cheesecloth or whatever, they tied it up, dunked it in a freaking thing of super filtered and cold water and left it in the fridge for like between 24 and 60-something hours. They just left it in there. And then as soon as you were done, they took the thing out, they they pressed out the, the, the rest of the coffee juice, they threw that away, and then boom, they just poured it out and you were done. That's it. That's all you had to do. I don't know what this thing's talking about. There are many other coffee brewing methods including specialty methods for things like espresso, me, not espresso, espresso, ESP, and Turkish coffee. If you want to use your beans to do something different than the usual drip, you'll need to look into various types of brewing. So there's that. Hold on, speaking of brewing, I need to take a sip here. I like this article, though. Is it? Oh. We're good. Sorry. Drop my coffee. Mmm. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Is it worth buying organic coffee beans? The answer is yes, especially if you're concerned about quality. Uh, organic coffee is free of all chemical pesticides and fertilizer. Better for the environment. Shade-grown coffee plants intend to have a lot of trees to help them grow. Birds like having more habits. The farmers reap the benefit. Okay, so that's yeah, that's environment shit. Organic brands are certified by organizations at the USDA. They all, might also buy fair trade farms to be associated with wildlife and rainforest groups. If you have concerns about the organic nature of your coffee, don't be afraid to contact the manufacturers and ask. Taste. All right. Do you prefer something sweet or bitter? Are you looking for coffee with fruity, smoky, or biscuity notes? Smoky. I don't think I've ever had a smoky-flavored coffee. Not something I'm generally used to. Uh, Let's see. Do you like a tangy kick of an acidic coffee, or does your heart demand that you shop for something milder? I'm okay with a bold, dark roast. I can always add flavor to it. I don't mind the medium roasts with like a little bit of floral to them. You know, chocolatey or whatever. At this point, I really can't taste it. But I can definitely tell the difference between a good coffee and a shit coffee. That difference I do know. Now, as far as the difference between like a regular roast coffee or what I make and or in like an actual Cubano coffee that's made in like Fort Myers, Florida or Miami or whatever... There is a big difference in flavor. Significantly different flavored coffee, okay? Cubano coffee is just, it, it's, when, on a scale of my coffee to extreme, it's, it's five notches above. As far as the total amount of coffee flavor that you're getting from a Cubano. I mean, it is extro- It is definitely, it's five notches above. It's, you know, coffee that's, com- that's like extract, coffee extract. You know, like pepper extract. It's just an extract. That, and it's just, and they literally just take that extract and they pour that into a glass and you drink that. And it's freaking intense. So you have that. You have to grow into it. You can't just drink that as your first coffee. You won't like it. That's the end of that iced coffee. It was fun while it lasted. Anywho. Uh okay. Now as far as my blends that I prefer, um, as an easy go-to, I prefer Aroma Joe's, okay? Good mid-shelf level coffee, iced or regular. The Actually, the, the regular is okay. It's more of like a low to mid-shelf type of coffee as far as their hot coffee is concerned. Their iced coffees are on, on point. Starbucks, not so much anymore. I still appreciate their beans. I think their beans are great. I think they have a really good uh, mid-level um, Sumatra blend. If you're, looking to, if you're looking to roast at home, I think if you actually go to buy it, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be paying too much for something that's quite, quite enough. It's basically a mid-level. It's a mid-level whiskey at the very most. It's nothing more than a Seagram 7. They just charge the shit out of it because their administrative process is so fucking ridiculous. And they have way too many people on staff. And just it's the, the customers suck. So there's too much of just everything that's causing Starbucks prices to go up. So it ain't worth it. You're better off going to an independent shop where you're probably going to spend the same, and getting a better quality of coffee overall. So, but buying the beans yourself. Javalia, Javalia is another brand. It's a brand I started on, that makes an excellent quality ground coffee, an excellent quality whole bean coffee. Many different types of flavors, many different types of acidity, boldness, uh, 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 ways to blend it. Javalia is is, is definitely one way to go. Uh, and then there are other blends out there, other companies. There's many other uh, fair trade organizations that are coming about to uh, make that pave away, or making it easier to pave away for smaller companies to come about and make really good coffee. Obviously, Cafe Bustelo, Cafe Bustelo is a ch- is a cheap diner coffee that you can uh, you can make the most of while you're at home. It makes a great iced coffee. It makes a great morning roast. I absolutely recommend that. It co- and it's inexpensive. You can get it. Worst case scenario for about four dollars a ba- uh, four dollars a it comes in like a brick, basically it's a yellow uh, brick and it's vacuum sealed so that's about four bucks. If you're really good, you can get it for around two fifty three. Um, let's see, the ones they're recommending here it was a it's just a small one's an independent group called Life Boost. It's a Nicaraguan uh, origin. It's a medium roast. Then they have Kona Coffee Beans, which is a actual trusted brand. It's uh, Hawaiian origin and roast medium to dark. And they got a bunch of different flavors that I'm curious about. So that's called Kona Coffee for anybody in the know. The only Kona Coffee I actually had from one time actually did not enjoy all that much. Uh, Kona, it was, it didn't, um, it had no finish. Like it had a good, it had, it smelled great. It had a decent flavor, but it was very weak on the delivery. So I kind of was like, "Eh." The African blends definitely have a great flavor. Like the Ethiopian blends, the Kenyan roast, those are fantastic. Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee is number three. Jamaica Blue Mount, Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee is is one of the most sought after coffees, sought after coffees in the world, due to a variety of reasons. But um, this one. Jamaica Blue Mountain is called the Rolls Royce. Built as the Rolls Royce of coffees. Now let me read about this a little bit too. Uh most exclusive Java you can buy. It's grown in limited quantities because of the restrictions of the local government. So it's not something that you can just pick up at the grocery store. It isn't cheap either. That's true. Blue Mountain coffee is fucking insanely expensive. You can get like a Peaberry for like twelve to fifteen. You can get a Jamaican Blue Mountain for like. Like 25 to $30 a bag. And it's usually not a 12 ounce. It's usually like 8 ounces. Uh, if you want Jam- authentic Jamaica Blue Mountain, you have to be willing to fork over some cash. Once you've gotten past the regional and financial barriers, however, you'll be glad that you picked Jamaica Blue Mountain for your coffee beans. They'll produce a decadent cup of joe. For starters, they're medium roast for a smooth and even blend. They have a fruit notes, fruity notes and make you think about berries and wines. They also create a rich full-body brew with just enough acidity to keep you on your toes without being overwhelmingly sharp. I love how they just put these words together. Floral notes. Uh, Jamaica Blue Mountain is the kind of coffee that you can smell from miles away. It is a thick, heady aroma <laughs> that will fill every inch of your kitchen, and the mount, your mouth will start watering before you... Alright, now they're just kind of, you know, they're just, gr- they're just pouring it on! Uh, I think, and then of course there's Kenya Rose, there's Tanzania Peaberry, uh, let's see, Sumatra... Yeah, Sumatra is very well known nowadays. These are all Arabica uh, shaped, okay? Uh, And they are very, very good coffees. Uh, So, yeah, absolutely. I I would just recommend it, you know. It really, because depending upon when you start your day, how you start your day, how difficult your morning is, that first, if you are a coffee drinker or if you're a tea drinker, I, I just truly recommend that you take full advantage of that morning as far as what you put in your system. It can make all the difference in the world. I just, I see these people, you know, lining up at Dunkin' Donuts, not always getting what they ordered, getting a shitty blend of coffee. It tastes disgusting, filling it with all kinds of additional supplements that are not good for you whatsoever. All right. And it's just awful. Okay. It's just awful. And the same goes for Starbucks, too. Fuck that noise. I'm glad they quit that out. All right, so that's enough coffee talk. Uh, let's see. Let's get to the, not to the articles, but. So, the update on Pelican 2. Pelican 2, of course, as you know, is my drone. It's a DJI Phantom 3 4K. It went down, it didn't go down, it had an incident last, as if you weren't listening to the podcast, but I'm just recapping. It had an incident where I fell backwards on a, descending off of a mountain. I was going hiking, and I fell down. My drone was on my back. I fell backwards, and the way that I landed, it went through the bag and smashed my the 4K camera. There's a big $300 gimbal setup on this camera, and I completely ruptured it and broke certain things and certain pieces, and just it's a giant mess. I have somebody working on the or looking into possibly fixing that piece right now, but I went and got a whole new setup in the meantime, and then I had somebody work, on, spend hours working on the wiring issue that was causing my video feed not to show up on my application for when I was flying the drone so I could see what I was doing. So we, once we fixed the video feed, we put the drone back together, put the gimbal on with the camera, and took it for an initial test flight minutes after it was done. That went successful. Then I actually went and took it, for a, I took it for a quick flight with another camera attached to it. So I had a GoPro attached to the right-hand side of the drone so you could see it as it was flying with sound and the actual camera that's designed to be built into the drone that you can see the feed of while you're flying. So that test went, took place uh, somewhere in rural New Hampshire, and it went very well. I am going to do another test. I'm going to make sure that I tighten up a couple bolts here and there, but the drone is active. It's flying uh, relatively well. I need to take it for a speed test, a maneuverability test, and a couple other things, but the initial flight was success. I downloaded that information, recorded it, and I made the vlog drone down. You can check that out on YouTube right now. It's only about four minutes and 10 seconds long. It's really simple. It covers the hike, the incident, and putting back together some of it, and the end result flight. That was pretty simple. That was dropped on Sunday morning. Then, um, that's was this Sunday morning? Might have been. Anyways, Saturday, Saturday, um, I went, of course, and did a hero pups run. They were doing a fundraiser for you know, they did one last year's week 74. But if you check out week 74, the new hires, it was a a lighthearted vlog that I did. They were going on a motorcycle ride, it was kinda raining. Um, a friend of theirs had passed away. So they were, you know, they're writing for Mary Lynn, I believe. And then they, I just went and did the vlog like I normally do for charity for the whatever. And it came out okay. Um, I was looking to really do better this time. But like I said, like I spoke about wow, the week before the uh, this last podcast, last week, there was an incident where a large commercial truck mowed down. I don't know if it was by accident or by negligence. Definitely by negligence, actually, in my opinion. Uh, Mote down seven bikers from the same group, killing seven bikers all at once, just like that. One of them was a close friend of this legion's of this post. So, one week after this incident happened, they were out there riding. So I was recording through all this. There was there was tears. There was a lot of heavy a heavy speak. Um, but they pulled through and they, they, they dusted off and they got, they did this event and there was, uh, you know, two to three times as many bikers, uh, and they got after it. We, we drove all the way to Berwick, Maine, which is about an hour away. We did the whole thing. I had it. I took Sunday to kind of chill and transfer all the files about 79 gigs worth of data. It was a pretty large fold the file. The reason it was so freaking big is because I literally just took the GoPros and hit record and then they and just let them drive all the way to uh, drive all the way to Berwick, Maine and back. So all that data was record all those videos were recorded. So I took all that information, record you know, edited through it. I actually had it done by Monday night at eight thirty. Had it posted and done, actually way before that, by eight o'clock. That thing was done, uploaded, captioned and done and just posted public. And the reaction I got from that was really, really good. That one was also pretty short. That one was a little over four and a half minutes long. Um, And Berwick TV was there. Berwick TV reached out to me. They wanted to get the footage. They wanted to see if I had any pictures. They said they were going to start working on the project next week. I'm like, motherfucker, I already have it done and posted. I'm like, here's the link. Uh, I did get permission from Laura from Hero Pups, of course, to send her that link, but The, the notes I got from Laura on how to approach the project, I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do and how I want to do it. She just wanted she's definitely said it because she wanted, just wanted to say it, how it should be, you know, how I need to approach the topic. She's like, just wanted to say it. I'm like, I hear ya. you. You could say that. And yeah, it rung, it already rung with me. She was just reminding me that, and I, I made the event about, you know, perseverance and riding through the storm and, um, It came out really well, and I think that you know more people should share it. So if you go to go to YouTube.com and search "positive sarcasm," it's called the PS vlog. is called We Ride On. It's about four minutes and forty nine seconds long, and uh, it talks about the bike ride, the donations, the uh, plaque. Plaque. We we awarded a plaque to the Burke Fire Department, named a dog after him. And, of course, the memory of uh, the person who passed away, tragically. So that was on there. That went really well. She said, I did an amazing job. I'm like, good. I hope that uh, the the guys like it and they share it. They have, I mean, uh, about 150 people have have seen it already, which is cool. Hope more people share it. I would love to see WMUR or other community TV organizations pick it up. Um, And if they do, great. If not, it's their fucking loss. They can just go ahead and cover the uh, elections for all I care. But it came out, you know, significantly well. If you guys want to check that out on your time, you're more than welcome to. The idea was, so it it can be interesting as far as I had to set up the, figure out where I was going to put the GoPros. One was going to go on a motorcycle, obviously, obviously. And then they have something called a chase truck. A chase truck follows the bikers as they're, you know, trolling, rolling down the streets. And the chase truck, in case somebody breaks down, they pull over, pick up the bike, send them on their way. Thankfully, I didn't have to use the chase truck. The chase truck just continued along its path. I took the chase truck and I put a, on the GoPro, I took the GoPro and I sticky padded it to the passenger side rear view mirror. Now, what I should have done was put it on the left side, on the driver's side, but that's a lesson learned. Um, I put it on the right hand side, so that fine. It, It never went anywhere. The one on the bike... No issues. I wish I could have tilted it so that it was shooting uh, from front to rear, so you could see all the bikers from the back. But it only the way my accessory kit only worked is I was only able to angle it up and down, and the bar that I fitted it to was perpendicular to the actual bike wheel, so I was only aiming you know I was aiming parallel to the bike. So if somebody passed them, I could see it. Uh, So I can only aim it up or down. So what I'll have to do is I'll get a different angler. So that I can make that thing uh, shoot backwards or forwards. Just one of those things. It's just it's one of those little accessory pieces. It's like, shit, I don't have this. Well, I'll make sure that I'll put something together so that it does work out. For that, I used a clamp because motorcycles tend to vibrate more. And this thing was right close to the wheel. So I clamped that prick on. It, it clamped very well. This thing was super tight. It was on the chrome. Didn't damage the bike in any way, shape, or form. I had the biker, uh, Lee, inspect it to make sure that it was tight on time. I used a waterproof housing uh, for that because I didn't know if it was going to rain or not. Uh, I turns out I didn't need any waterproof housing. All my, all my gear came out perfectly. My Nikon D3100 I barely used. I took a couple pictures with it in one video, which was completely fucking useless. Besides that, I, it just stayed strapped to my hip in case um, the Sony Alpha went down. The Sony Alpha was great. Uh, most of the images came out really clean. The resolution came out great. The GoPro, the GoPros came out excellent. So those are my four primary cameras. Those are my four cameras, my go-to's for the day. If it started to downpour, uh, I, I still had the waterproof housing on one of the GoPros, and I had the Fujifilm FinePix XP125 in my holster, in my 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 cam my uh, charging holster. So I could whip that at a moment's notice. That charges at ten. That fires at 1080 at 60 frames per second. So no lost resolution. It just doesn't do very well in the dark. Because point-and-shoot cameras have smaller sensors than DSLRs or mirrorless cam- cam- cameras, so not as much light gets in, therefore they can't see as much light at night, therefore it's darker. They can shoot pictures better at night, but video-wise, mm-mm, that's not happening. Forget it. So that's why it's important to have a mirrorless camera or a DSLR when you're shooting in fluctuating light. Uh, daytime is great, no worries there, but if you're indoors... Or if you are in a cloudy area, or if you are in the dark, or in you know, then forget it. A point and shoot's not going to really do you any good. So that's something to keep in mind. The newer ones, probably. I don't know how the Panasonic, um, what is it? The FZ 300 would work. It's a 12 megapixel point and shoot with a bunch of. Uh, it shoots almost like a DSLR, but it has a. It does have a smaller sensor than a DSLR. Um. So I don't. I wouldn't want to risk it. I'm not going to spend 300 bucks, or you know, 325 bucks on a fucking point another another point and shoot if I can't shoot at night. So what's the frigging point? Then again, it is uh, it is weatherproof. It's compact. You can put an external mic on it. I think it would be a great camera to have. However and it has a built-in zoom capability. However, you can spend the extra hundred bucks go and get yourself a Canon uh, a a Canon SL2 Rebel. The only difference, and at that point, the only difference really would be the Canon Rebel SL2 shoots in 1080, whereas the Panasonic shoots in can shoot in 4K, but 4K is a bitch to edit in, and you don't get as many frame rates. Believe me, that slow motion comes in handy. I use it quite often. Um, so those four cameras I, I primarily used. I had the Nikon as a backup. And basically I had very little, uh, I took very little issue with the final product. There was one little slow-mo piece um, that I had a little bit of an issue with, but for the most part, everything came out the way I wanted it. I do have to work on my camera techniques as far as when I get in cars on the fly, because I get a lot of shaky camera from that. When I get in a car and the camera's recording and I'm kind of wobbling all over the place, I need to have, I need to work on my camera awareness. So when I'm doing things one handed, my, uh, my camera is staying steady it's it can be difficult. And also uh, having a I have a a gimbal stabilizer for my for my smaller devices, such as my GoPros and uh, my my cell phone and other smaller cameras, point two cameras. I don't have a a gimbal stabilizer for larger cameras or mirrorless cameras. And they're about two hundred and twenty five dollars right now, and I would like to get one for my mirrorless, for my alpha. Um, I think that'd be great because right now the only thing I'm running on is the optical stabilization that's in the camera and a Joby GorillaPod, but no actual stabilization. But I would actually switch between the two of them, I think. Uh, but I think those are a couple things to keep in mind that I am looking for as a, as a new primary shooter and a gimbal stabilizer. That'd be swell. But I do have other gear and other things. Matter of fact, what did I just buy the other day? I had to add a little bit of leftover credit card cash, you know, rewards cash. So... I went and got a DVI adapter because I'm going to be making, I'm going to be turning my porch into a viewing studio. So I'm taking an extra computer and bringing it out there. So I need, But I needed a DVI adapter for the video card that's in there so I can attach the computer to the TV that's mounted out there on the wall and turn that into basically my desktop Roku. Uh, I had a few dollars left over from a, a credit card for rewards cash, so I went and bought some Bluetooth headphones. I don't know what you guys are spending on, on fucking headphones, but if you're spending more than like... 50 bucks for headphones you are wasting your money i bought bluetooth headphones for like well they would have cost me like eight dollars um they generally range for about 20 to 30 bucks if you buy them from amazon but then usually these things have coupon codes attached to them and through slickdeals.net if you hunt you can get some great deals on bluetooth headphones because headphones break every three to six months anyways i already have two two pair and they both still work perfectly now, these Bluetooth headphones had a coupon on them, and, then, and they had free shipping. And then I took over the leftover uh, Chase cash that I had, Chase Rewards cash, and paid $0 for these things. And, of course, because my dr- the drone incident, I learned my lesson uh, for a mere $27 with minus $5 in eBay bucks. So 22 bucks. I have a waterproof, hard shell drone backpack on its way in, in, a, in a couple weeks. So that'll be great. So now I, I take my drone or I go hiking with it. I can rest assured that if anything happens, and, and I have the new gimbal lock. So if anything happens, the gimbal's gonna stay tight to the drone. It's not gonna wag and all that shit because the other gimbal lock, it's like a little key and you slide it on and it locks the camera so the the camera does not move because it's based on this little these couple motors so it can sway and stuff like that and look more stable. That gimbal lock would always fall off. The new one locks onto the front. So if, anything, if it were to shake, it doesn't go anywhere. You simply take it off if you plan on to use plan to use the drone. That's done. Then it'll go in the waterproof hard shell case. So if I can fall, if it falls, I'm okay. No worries there. So that's on its way. I hope it's light. It's got a good back to it too. It seems like it's got a, a um, an oxygen like a, a a bat. The back on it is a little cushy. It's not like I'm just walking around with a giant turtle shell. There's some cushion on it. So I'm looking forward to that. So I bought three items. A DVI adapter, a Bluetooth headphones, and a waterproof hard shell case. So, about three items, and it cost me an actual cash $22. That's it. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, let's see. Okay, we're coming up on 46 minutes. Talked about Pelican 2. Yep, it's up and running. Thanks to Larry for bringing my baby back to life. You'll be, she'll be flying in a town near you. So that was episode Drone Down. We Ride On is also, you can check that out on YouTube. Go to Positive Sarcasm on YouTube. You can check out those two new vlogs that are on there. It's only about eight and a half minutes when you put it all together. Uh, I talked about my per- my latest Amazon purchases. There's I'm sure there's other ones I, I can't remember. Uh, Berwick TV is waiting to reach out. To, they're reaching out to me. And uh, yeah, uh, pff, way ahead of you guys. My vlog's already done. I put that shit together uh, in a day. In a day. I had that thing done in a day. Just like... You take enough footage and that shit makes itself. Uh... We talked about coffee. Because why not? And, uh... This is... I'm airing... Let's see. I'm Twitch streaming this on July 3rd. So by the time you hear it, it'll be July 4th. Independence Day. Uh... Oh, also shout out to Andy... Uh... Andy Nigo. Or Andy Nigo. He's a journalist up in Portland, Oregon who, uh... Took some shit from Antifa the other day. Uh, I, I wish you a speedy recovery. I hope everything works out for you. Antifa, if you if you ever hear this, you guys can go fuck yourselves. I have absolutely no respect for anyone like you. You are nothing more than the opposite end of the KKK. You're absolute trash. Anybody who participates in these types of groups, you're shit. You're absolute shit. I have no fucking respect for you. How dare you? Um, throw objects and hit people with things. I mean, the, if you read about it, you can go to um you can go to roguerocket.com, the article by Sam Sherwin Antifa group clashes with journalist Andy Nago at a Portland rally. They hit him with some shit. They he actually had it was admitted to the uh, to the hospital with a brain bleed. Uh it's it's horrible. It's it's freaking bad. And they stole and of course they stole his freaking GoPro. So, I don't care. It, it, like fuck you guys. I I'm so disgusted with that shit. This whole milkshaking thing and stuff like that. It really it, it's it's information overload and I gotta tell you, if it's a salt salt, I don't care who touches me. You lay a hand on me and you throw a gope you, you throw a milkshake at me, I'm gonna fucking make sure you go right through the McDonald's drive through head first to the concrete. You can kiss my ass. Antifa, you suck. Um anyways, let's move on to something more positive. Let's close out this something a little more positive. But I just wanna say that out there, it's just can you people be a little fucking nicer to each other? Honestly? Really? Douchebags. Uh, let's see. Okay. Charcoal toothpaste. Oh. Sweet. Speaking of going to fuck yourself. All right. We're, we'll close on this. Because I got shit to do. Our, okay. This is from CNET.com by Corinne Reichart. I'm pretty. I don't know if I got this last episode, but we are going to do it now. Arby's, the fast food chain making a ve- making vegetables out of meat. The fast food restaurant chain isn't lying when it says we have the meats. In a full t- in a time full of vegan meat like the Impossible Burger, Arby's is taking a different more unselling route. The American fast food giant has unveiled the Merit, a carrot made of meat. According to Arby's the Merit, which won't be available to customers just yet, provides 70% of the recommended daily intake of vitamin A. Quote Plant-based meats are the latest incarnation of making vegetables look like what Americans really want, which is great, tasty meat," said Jim Taylor, head of marketing at Arby's. "This thing actually looks like a carrot. That's the cool thing. Universally, people were people know we're supposed to eat vegetables every day, but 90% of Americans don't eat the recommended amount. So what we so we said, if others can make meat out of vegetables, why can't we make vegetables out of meat? Arby's vegetables, m. Vegetables are made mostly of meat. The merit is turkey breasts cut into the shape of a carrot, cooked sous vide for an hour, rolled in carrot marinade and maple syrup powder, and then oven roasted for another hour. The green part on top is the only green part of the vegetable, which is a parsley garnish. Is that it? That's the whole article. That's, that's it. That's all they said about it. Freaking Arby's, man. So I mean I've never had the Impossible Burger. I've never had. Um, I don't. I'm not vegan. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I love my vegetables. You know I do. I eat a, I mean I eat a ton of. I eat a decent amount of fruit. I love green apples and stuff. Uh, I eat kale. I eat broccoli. Um, I eat peppers, onions, garlic, mushrooms. I love vegetables. I love the floral and, and the healthy notes that it comes with it. But I'm also not a fucking idiot. I also know that you gotta have your your animal proteins to just have a stronger, healthier body. I'm seeing people getting sick all the time, just emaciated. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of men nowadays. They're like just shells in themselves. They're like fucking walking labias. I'm just disgusting to look at them, just flappy piles of shit. They disgust me. I I literally don't even wanna talk to them. It's just like, hey, how you doing? How are you doing this day? Go fuck yourself. I don't have I don't have any respect for these people. You need food. You need iron. You need animal meat in your body. You do. That's the balance of life. You want to be a, a stronger man or woman? You got to eat that shit. Eggs is a start, but let's be honest here. As some ground beef, some steak, you know, you're going to be a lot healthier. You're going to be a stronger human. You got those, your testosterone flowing. Chicks need testosterone too, and you don't have to get it from an injection. T- chicks need testosterone to balance out their estrogen. It's just that they're more 40-60 while men are 60-40. Some more 80-20. Um. So yeah. Gotta you gotta eat your meat, bro. Gotta eat your meat. Alright, maybe we'll have one more time for another ar- ar- article. Uh let's keep it let's keep it positive, though. Let's see. Uh also from CNET. NASA Orion aces safety test after launching a rocket off a flying rocket. Quote, launching a rocket off a flying rocket. The Orion spacecraft has completed its final safety test. Next stop is the moon by Jackson Ryan and Claire Riley. Okay. NASA is Claire. I love space shit, too. I mean, I really do. I think that we should be exploring way more than we actually do. I mean, we should have... I mean, to be honest... uh, I think we should have been to Mars by now. To be honest, I think we should have fucking colonized Mars by now. To be even more honest, twenty years ago we could have been on Mars. I just I know it. We we twenty fuck thirty years ago, we could have been on Mars. I I think. I don't know why we haven't been there yet. Now, I don't want to hear about flat Earth bullshit or the, uh, the 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 radiation belts or whatever. We should have been there. We should have been there. We should have had an actual station rocket. We haven't been there. It's disappointing. We should have been there. NASA has cleared the final te- hurdle in testing its Orion spacecraft with the completion of the Ascent Abort 2 flight test. The success marks an important milestone for the crew capsule that will put humans back on the moon. Jesus Christ, I'm just talking about 30 years ago. We should have been on Mars. Now we're talking about going back to the moon. Demonstrating it, although we should also have a moon base too. Moon Moon base! demonstrating its safety in an emergency abort scenario. Launch they get yeah, NASA needs to get their shit together because SpaceX is flying away with it. Launched from Cape Canaveral Air Force Station early Tuesday morning, the AA2 was designed to push the capsule's abort system to its limits with a full stress test. And while the full full results of the test are still to be revealed, the capsule was jettisoned from the sky. The capsule was jettisoned from the launch vehicle approximately 55 seconds post launch. Launch Leaving a brilliant trail, brilliant, in the in the sky. Seconds later, the capsule landed in the ocean with an impressive splash that could be heard more than three miles away. It was a humid morning in Oro- in Florida, but Orion perched on top of a solid fuel rocket, encased with a fairings assembly. You know, I, I I I can think of about seven crew members that could have used something like this. The capsule used for the test operated like a dummy spacecraft waited to resemble the real thing, but in effect was just an Orion-shaped box. It was positioned at the the bottom of the upside-down golf-shaped T launch abort system. As it launched, we didn't quite see the dazzling flurry of fire and flame we'd become accustomed to from SpaceX launches, but of course, it wasn't meant to be that way. This was a small test lasting only three minutes, aimed at ticking off a fundamental cruise safeguard of the moon-bound craft. A launch abort system is a key feature of the the aircraft, said Orion Program Manager Mark Karajash prior to the test. It will protect crew members who fly on board Orion during the most challenging part of the mission, which is the ascent phase. So basically what they're trying to do is, while they're doing all these measures and getting ready to fly to the moon again and possibly to Mars, is they need an escape capsule that shoots off and, and parachutes safely in case something really bad, like Space Shuttle Challenger, happens again. If you don't know, a Space Shuttle Challenger, 1986, the year the Chernobyl fucking incident. Space Shuttle Challenger was designed to go off, um, and it was delayed because of weather, but it was also cold. So, what, and generally, what happens is um, certain things shrink. So, if you have rubber O-rings or whatever uh, that are too small, or they, what happens? Is there was a lot of it was a co- it was cold weather, so they delayed it. So, certain components shrunk. They expand with heat, but if they contract, if they contract, you know, water, uh, 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 fuel, air, whatever can get through. You don't want and when you have millions of pounds of boost underneath you, you don't want anything else to get through. You want everything to be. So what they did was they, as soon as they increased thrust, while they were already like ninety seconds in the air, a small leak happened, and then the next thing you know, you see you see a small trail start to trickle out of the of the boost pattern and within a second later the whole thing just goes up the whole ship what basically uh, on the space sh- on the space shuttles challenger columbia discovery there was the actual spacecraft and then there was three boosters there was a giant fuel rocket and then there was like two on the side the whole fucking fuel rocket exploded the whole thing, that whole fuel tank, just blew up, and the other ones shot to the right. One shot to the right, one shot to the left. They just went haywire. When the middle cell exploded, the two fuel rockets went haywire. But because the mi- the center rocket exploded, it took the space shuttle Challenger with it. Now there are some suggestions that the actual capsule that the space sh- that the pe- the crew was in actually ejected from the actual space shuttle Challenger. But because there's no safety harnesses, there's no automatic uh, abort mission uh, ejector thingy, there's no no parachutes or whatever, there's none of that. So when it goes off, say they did get ejected from the vehicle, they're just going to go. And if they land, they're going to land at whatever speed they descend to the ground at. Hundreds of miles an hour, instant death. Instant. You're not surviving. Also, the impact, the explosion force would cause an instant unconsciousness or death or trauma or whatever. And that's seven astronauts, too. Well, six and one teacher. So that's what happened with that scenario. Now they're doing, okay, if we're going to go to the moon again or we're going to go out again, we need something a little safer because we're going to be doing more of these missions. We don't want any bad publicity. And bad publicity is if we're going to send up a shuttle and the shit explodes. And we lose seven people. The health, you know, the insurance policy on that's quite expensive. So they're just trying to figure out ways to safely to, to to make sure that the crew is safe, no matter what. They don't want anything to happen to the crew. So they're designing this little thing right here, this abort, this aborting test, to make sure the crew is, is safe. Um, and that's fine. I I approve of it. I think that uh, overall. Right now, you have SpaceX and you have a couple other groups um, that are trying to get to the moon, trying to get to Mars. It's become more commercialized, so now NASA's getting new p- funding pumped in from the federal government. I think, I think Donnie just approved uh, like a couple billion dollars for the space program, so now they're going to be kicking up notch. So that's great. Um, we also need to get into space for you know, you know, military reasons and civilian reasons because we got to protect this country from who the fuck knows. What other satellites or who else is putting up satellites and stuff? So there's a lot of things to do up there, and we're pioneers. We need to explore. We need to get out there. You know, we gotta make. We gotta go see what's out there. We gotta further mankind out into the universe. We're all just stuck here in this goddamn bubble. Get out there, see the stars. If somebody, I think if somebody said to me right now, all all bills expenses paid, you can go to them, and in six months we're gonna train you and we're gonna send you to Mars. You up for the task? And I and I don't got to pay no bills. I'm done, I'm done for the rest of my life. You're gonna you're gonna give me two million in cash, and you don't got to worry about nothing. But it's gonna take two years, two to three years out of your life. Actually, it probably take about four years off my life. So by the time I got back to the United States, I would be forty years old. They say you can go right now, six months. So I'd be thirty six, getting on a fucking space bike and blast an ass to the moon i would say yes i'd be like let's do it four years come back i'm a fucking superhero i'm a rock star i think hopefully um i wonder if i can have a twitter account when i'm in space <laughs> tweeting tweeting halfway to the moon lol retweet um i would do it i'd go i'd be scared as shit but i'd go and i can still communicate hopefully with 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 the peoples and the fams and the friends and whatever and let everybody know how i'm doing i could make vlogs when i'm in space i could i could still edit video when i'm when i'm up there i can get my treadmill on and do my push-ups and shit do some light you know do some space curls and do some space squats and do some space bench press i could still get some exercise and shit when i'm up there probably be eating pretty good i'm very healthy i think i'd do the job i think i could do it yeah Hey, if anybody knows next Mars mission, six months, we're going to Mars. Somebody tell Elon Musk if we're going to Mars in six months. Let me know. I'm game. I'll go. I'll be your. I'll be your. Uh, I'll be your Matt Damon. We are coming up on uh, one hour and two minutes. I want to wish everybody a happy Fourth of July. Thank you for sticking with me through an hour and two minutes on our, my 75th podcast from the Spare Parts Studios. Um, if you have any questions on my articles or any concerns or comments uh, please hit me up positive sarcasm outlook.com if you want to support this podcast go to positive sarcasm.com slash donate any amount is appreciated check out my new YouTube like and subscribe and share my podcast my YouTube channel my social media anything at all I appreciate you guys uh, just tagging along and making cool comments and asking questions and stuff and uh it's been kind of fun even on a hot day like this I still take the time out to uh Run a quick hour by you guys and get everything done. I'm going to have this up and ready for you so you can listen to it on July 4th and you're traveling to a cookout or you're traveling to your family's house or wherever you plan to be going. You can rob a liquor store. You can listen to me on the, while you're robbing the liquor store. Make sure you grab me a bottle of Don Julio while you're there. Anyways, uh, hit me up on all social media, contact, share, donate, support, any way you can. I really, really appreciate it. Um, so, anyways, you guys have a great 4th of July holiday. I will talk to you guys next uh, next week, probably. If you have any questions, comments, suggest, if you want to be a guest of this podcast, just email me or slide into those DMs, and I have a mic. I have another microphone set up. You just sit down, and we can talk about whatever you want. But uh, I am out of here for the meantime. Thank you guys for listening, watching, and supporting. I will talk to you all next week. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation. To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.